Welcome to the Wags of SCI podcast, where we discuss life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury. Hosted by Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. Both of our partners are quadriplegics. And after connecting online in 2017, we began the advocacy and support group WAGS of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends of Spinal Cord Injury. We know firsthand the challenges that come with living this lifestyle. And our mission is to spread education, awareness, and positivity from our unique perspectives. Us each week as we tackle deep discussions around balancing life as a caregiver and a lover to someone with a spinal cord injury. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Wags of SCI podcast. Here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wags of SCI podcast with your hosts, Brooke Paget and Elena Pauly. And we are so happy that you are here with us for yet another episode. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We are going to be discussing today um, something that's very important to talk about. And this is a good awareness series that we're doing. We're going to do part one and part two. But the, the topic is, what are you aware of in your life as a writer of SCI or someone with a spinal cord injury, someone who deals with spinal cord injury on a daily basis? What are you aware of that people still do not know about this life? So this episode is going to be all about awareness. We're going to come at it from the perspective of people from our community. So the cool thing about this episode is we did a poll and kind of asked the women on the private group, our Facebook private discussion group, what their thoughts are on this topic. And we had a lot of responses. So we're going to go through these and we're going to actually dissect them a little bit more and talk about the things that people are still not understanding and not aware of in the community. Because it's one thing to post about how proud we are of being WEGS of SCI and how proud we are about being part of this community. But there's also another awareness piece that everyone needs to be aware of, and that is drawing people's attention to what is actually happening, not what politicians say is happening, not what other people say is about celebrating this month. It's all about what is actually happening and what people are not aware of. And I would say it's the good, the bad, and the really ugly that people need to be aware of. So we will get into that. But first, we wanted to send a shout out to our sponsors. Our first sponsor is Robin Wishart of Wishart Brain and Spine Law. Robin is very important to the community. She is the official legal advocate for the WAGs of SCI. Her and her team help all the WAGs who need it behind the scenes with everything from understanding benefits paperwork, working with insurance, dealing with your case head on. So looking into your partner's case, looking into your case and seeing if there's anything they can do to help. They have been practicing specifically spinal cord injury law and brain injury law for over 10 years now. And so they are very, very specialized in this field. If you have any questions at all, if you need a letter written, if you need resources in your area, feel free to contact Robin. You can also visit our website, wagsofsti.com and click on the legal resources tab to learn more about our partnership and how she helps us and how she can help you. You can also visit her website, brainandspinelaw.com to learn directly what Robin does and her experience and read her blog post. She is amazing. Uh, Our second sponsor is Rolling in Paradise. So Rolling in Paradise is a company that is VA approved, but 
they're also owned by a quadriplegic and his wife, Annalisa. So Annalisa and John have been doing this for a long time. They are kind of like the premier supplier of adapted equipment for your wheelchair. So if you need anything from a part for a wheelchair, a wheelchair itself, or you need something as far as like an adapted piece of equipment for you to get out and enjoy your life, they are the specialists. And who doesn't want to support a fellow quad and his wife? They are great at what they do. So please support them next time you need something, anything to do with wheelchairs and adapted equipment. You can visit their website at rollinginparadise.com and please tell them that the WEGS of SCI sent you. Yeah, absolutely. Have you seen that Freedom Tracks that takes you out onto the sand? And Yeah. And they've been using that for quite a while. That's They're cool. out, I mean, a wheelchair going out into the sand and into the water is pretty incredible. And it's something that is a game changer for everybody involved to be able to yeah. have family beach days and yeah that's this really is the cool. weather yeah weather yeah. for it so awesome. absolutely yeah so t- for today's uh discussion as brooke mentioned we're gonna be sharing some really really great posts with you from the women in our community but before we do that um we wanted to share a post sort of like a good news feed post that we received a couple days ago from two women in our community and we'll share it anonymously because this comes directly from our WEGS of SCI private discussion group. And the post um, goes like this. This group has brought me a friend for a lifetime, not only different cities, but different states. And only because of this group, we were brought together. No one else can come close to understanding what life is like being a WEGS a wag of SEI outside of this group. And it's something that she says, the the woman says, just wanted to say thank you for whoever created this group and to those who maintain and continue to post. I would be completely lost without you. And it's incredible how impactful it feels to not feel alone anymore. And um, this group is very powerful. This is, you know, social media is how Brooke and I met as well. So we absolutely know what it feels like to find somebody through the power of social media, working for the good to make you feel less alone. So that was sort of our good news feed comment for the day. That was really, really awesome to hear. And yeah, the power of the good that social media can do, because I know people are getting burnt out with social media. Well, I know we are, but (laughs) it's good to have the good, the positive, right? The positive ways that people can connect. And the WEGS of SDI group is one of those main positive influences that social media can have in all of the darkness and all of the crap that happens on social media. This is a good, good thing. So yeah. Um, So let's get into this a little bit deeper. So we posted last week on our private group, what are your thoughts about what people still do not know about disability and specifically living with a spinal cord injury? What do you want your friends and family to actually know? What do you want people out there to actually understand about this life that they don't necessarily know? And that's what these awareness months are all about to us is bringing attention to things that people need to really understand and that people don't know because with more understanding and awareness comes change. And so that's why we're doing this part one today. And we're going to split it up into two episodes because there were a lot of comments of what people wanted to get off their chest. And we're going to start with uh, one of the first comments. And obviously we're going to do this anonymously 
and mm-hmm. we're going to paraphrase because we don't want to, um, you know, expose anyone's identity. This is a private group, but we like to use this content to help spread awareness. And I think this is one of the most important topics for this month. People still don't understand the marriage penalty that occurs when, let's call them interabled couples, want to marry in the United States. People still do not understand that. And that is one of the biggest things in our community that I would say every time we expose this or talk about this, we get so many comments on Instagram or in real life of people being like, are you serious? What? They still don't have the right to marry. So my issue is it's fine and dandy to like spend a long time saying, you know, rights, rights for, um, for gay marriage, but you have to understand that there's a lot of people that are not in gay marriages that still don't have the right to get married and they're disabled people. And that needs to be focused on. And that is something that people do not talk about. And you don't hear politicians talking about it. You don't hear anybody in power talking about it because they don't want people to know that their own citizens are not able to get married. Um, What are your thoughts on this, Elena? No, I think you're right. I, I find it rather interesting that Disability Pride Month comes right after Pride Month as well. And, yeah. and we, I mean, it's, a, it's incredible that the, the Pride Month exists. It brings a lot of awareness and a lot of acceptance to things that um, have been really, you know, that people have been fighting for, for, for their rights. But it's, it is very interesting that Disability Pride Month comes right after it. And you won't be seeing a flag for this no. month. There is no flag. There are no celebrities. There are no corporations or endorsements that are going to be speaking about this. No. Um, there are no bonuses to this except for people, the true community, you know, the heart and soul of the community members are the ones that are bringing the awareness, speaking about their experiences and speaking about their lives and really trying to shake things up we had one woman in our community speaking about you know made and how how much easier how much more accessible it it was for her to apply and be approved for made here in Canada rather than having the necessary means for her accessible living be provided to her you know, having, having these means being fulfilled so she could live a healthy and happy life as, as a single parent who is a quadriplegic. So yeah, disability pride month is, uh, I guess the hard work is really done by the people who it affects directly. And, um, I think it makes it, it makes it that much more tricky because you have to use your voice and there is, there's a huge amount of power in using your voice and you have to, you have to be so consistent and put your heart and soul really out on the line for, uh, unfortunately you have to share all the sad stories for people to notice. So anyways, this topic is really great because it brings awareness to different uh, facets of people's lives. There's a lot of variety in here. So the next comment speaks about spasticity. And just, I guess, the lack of understanding, not only for us, but for our partners, for physicians, that it is just really not understood by anybody involved. And it it is very shocking and concerning to witness, right? When your partner is having spasticity and, and, you know, it depends on the level of spasticity. It can be very 
very troubling because you don't know what's going on. The people around you witnessing don't know what's going on. And it's extremely uncomfortable for your partner. So I guess uh, we're all rooting for more knowledge in that area, as well as I'm going to just touch base and say that as well as autonomic dysreflexia, (laughs) it's another mystery and one that we really don't have a lot of information about still. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, speaking of more information, um, so someone posted here an interesting website, Disability Rights Education and Defense Fund in the United States. So the website is www.dredf.org. So they actually outline some issues um, that are affecting the disability community right now. So she quoted actually the one about um, how you can't marry. So she said, recipients of supplemental security income can lose their stipend and Medicaid if they marry a person with an ordinary or higher income or level of assets, because SSA counts the spouse's income and assets. If the two SSI recipients marry, both individuals face a 25% reduction in benefits. So um, I think they have a lot of information on that site. So if you want any more information on the specifics of anything that we're talking about, please head over there and you can learn more um, about what is kind of being discussed right now as the, as the major issues. But yeah, um, spasticity and AD are something that people don't even, and you know, what's interesting is even medical professional professionals aren't necessarily aware of these things. Um, I know that there are, you can get these little cards printed out that carry in your wallet that, uh, that help to inform medical professionals. If you have to go to the hospital, if you have to go to a clinic and you're experiencing AD or something is given to you that brings on AD, they may not necessarily know what to do with that. Um, but that's a huge awareness piece that doesn't really get taught in medical school either. But it's something that I'm just like, okay, I mean, everybody should know about this. Like I know when Evan went to the hospital in Italy, um, they had no idea what his symptoms were. They, they didn't understand what was happening when he had a really strong headache. And it's like, well, this is what happens to people with spinal cord injuries who cannot, they don't have sensation below their level. And so their body responds by giving them a pounding headache um, that can cause a stroke, right? So these are things that are just really, really important to bring awareness to. So I would say if your partner is going to the hospital, make sure he has that card on him or make sure that you are there to or his caregiver, whoever is is there with him is able to explain this. And I know we have a lot of um, moms and cousins and friends of people with disabilities that listen to the podcast. So make sure you inform yourself as to what AD is too, autonomic dysreflexia, because that is a huge thing. Um, a lot of these guys, like we've talked about in our previous episode, even our summer episode, they can't sweat, right? And so this is uh, what brings this on. And uh, I wish a lot of the women on here as well wish that there was more awareness on that. I mean, girl, there's a lot of AD symptoms that I don't recognize that I don't know anything about. And my partner has to tell me, and even he doesn't even know. There's a lot of times he's like, I don't know what's going on with my body. I just feel really uncomfortable or I feel really nauseous or dizzy or I need to like lie down or it's a, it's a whole other ball game. I mean, what do you do? Life experience, right? This is how we learn. And this is how we're able to teach people around us is through direct life experience. So um, one of the other comments, and I can totally relate to this, was basically, 
everything besides not being able to walk comes as a shock. And I feel this so deeply in my soul as well, because before Dan's injury, and I think a lot of women can, can relate to this, before his injury, I truly had no idea why individuals who used wheelchairs used wheelchairs. Um, through the media, a lot of wheelchair users are portrayed as elderly or as having CP, so being born with a disability. But I really had very, very little to no knowledge that an injury could actually occur like a spinal cord injury to land somebody in a chair. And, um, you know, there are so many things people look at the guy in the wheelchair or, or the woman in the wheelchair and they think, Oh gosh, poor you, you can't walk. What a hard life to live. And they don't realize that there are so many secondary issues that come along with being a wheelchair users. There are so there are so many issues um, with fertility, with bathroom care, with being able to even go out and use a restaurant, restaurant, restroom successfully, or, you know, going anywhere public and being able to use a restroom successfully is a daily struggle. And there are a lot of barriers set up for people who are wheelchair users in the accessibility field of any kind of outings. So it's not just the physical injury. I think there's a lot of frustration. And I know that Dan, Dan would say to this, he thinks that I booby trap our house sometimes where I'll leave things out in, in the way or the dog's toys are out in the way. And that in itself makes it propelling from one side of the house to the other really, really hard, right? So these are just like basic daily living activities that are very difficult that shouldn't have to be. So we're always fighting for ADA rights, always fighting for accessibility, for affordable date nights in our community. If you are listening and you would like to sponsor a date night, please send us an email to wagsofsci at gmail.com. We know our community members will greatly appreciate it because medical supplies, medical equipment are so costly. Renovating your house is so costly after injury. So if you are interested in sponsoring a date night, please email us wagsofsei at gmail.com. Perfect. Yeah, well, and speaking of, um, you know, housing renovations and stuff like that, um, the next comment that was really good was finding accessible, affording, affordable housing um, and how out of reach it is for people with spinal cord injury and how many modifications they need to have um, on their house or their apartment or their car and how everything is so expensive. And it is like, this is one thing that people don't understand um, how costly all of these things are and how it's not covered. Right. Well, and the medical companies, the issue here is, is that medical supply companies see this as a they they jack out the prices for medical equipment because they believe that almost everybody's covered through insurance, which is not true. Um, so they can, right? They can make things more expensive. And so then it leaves a, a disproportionate amount of individuals through the US, through Canada, throughout the world who simply cannot afford the latest, the newest, the best catheters, the easiest, the best lubricated catheters you know you see people reusing supplies getting utis because they're not they just don't have the means they don't have the accessibility to use proper equipment and there is a huge 
there's a huge gap in the system with that as well. But, you know, even when you sustain a spinal cord injury and you need to renovate your home, there is a very small, at least here in Canada, there is a very small grant that you can get. It's a one-time use grant. So what happens if you move out? right? What if you're temporarily staying at your parents' house because you just had a spinal cord injury living in their basement? They give you a, what, $2,500 grant for what, a little elevator or whatever the piece of equipment is. I mean, we were, we were using rails that you basically put over the stairs and then you have to manually push the individual, you know, line up the two tracks. They're two separate tracks, big heavy metal tracks that you fold away and and store and then you take them out and they slide out and you put one you know the left side of the wheelchair the wheels line up on the left side and the right side of the wheelchair the wheels light up line up on the on the right side and then you most likely the caregiver the the partner are pushing your partner up the ramp up the up the stairs through this ramp system. And I mean, I, I did that for years and I hurt myself. So there's very limited amount of means when it comes to support for even time being while you are navigating just like a short-term stay until you're, until you find a better place to live. And with a housing crisis here in Vancouver, at least there is very limited space. So all of these things are besides the chair, right? You see the person in the chair but the person in the chair has so many complex issues, multifaceted issues to navigate. Yeah. And uh, it's very current to talk about this because, you know, I know you mentioned made earlier um, and I believe they call it um, in the state something different, but it's basically assistive death services. Um, and here in Canada, there was a lot of controversy because um, a disabled woman actually received MAID because she couldn't find an accessible place to live. And uh, if you want to search this, you can. It was mainstream news. Um, that actually happened it's because she was that depressed that she actually was homeless and couldn't find a suitable apartment for herself. So it was easier to just end her own life. And they agreed and they and they facilitated that for her. So these are the things that are actually happening that people don't really want to look at. But when you think about finding housing, I mean, how long did it take you guys to, f- to find a proper a proper residence, a long long time because people stay in these places their whole lives because they know they can't find a place Mm -hmm. right yeah absolutely supply and demand i mean it's not even being fulfilled that the the demand is the supply is not there the demand is definitely there but it took us a while and we were living in a one-bedroom sardine can here in vancouver we were grateful to even have a bed to sleep in at that point sold our town home because there was no renovating it it's a townhouse with four sets of stairs, right? You can't like, what are you going to do? Put an elevator in, I guess, but it makes it very, very difficult for people to, to be comfortable in the resources that they have. You basically start from scratch. So it doesn't really matter. Spinal cord injury does not discriminate. And we say that all the time. Unfortunately, you could be walking down the street and slip on a banana peel. We had one individual in our group who was walking down the street and slipped on some ice and is now a quadriplegic. So why why is it so important for us to have this podcast to continue advocating? Because unfortunately, it could happen to you and having the resources at hand, having support group at hand for the caregivers is our number one priority. So there was a, yeah, 100% what you said. Um, 
there, the next interesting comment in this thread was she had no idea about what a bowel program was before meeting my significant other. We take so many things for granted. And that is so true. I remember when Evan was in the hospital, I kind of like woke out of my stupor after about a few days. And I was like, wait a second, how is he going to the bathroom? Yes. Not pee, not pee. Cause you can yeah, see the yeah. bag, the pee bag, but poo. I was like, how is he, what, what's going on here? And I didn't ask. Cause I was just like, I was thinking about other things, but I remember it took a few weeks before I was like, Oh, this is how they go to the bathroom. Um, I had no understanding of that. I had no idea what is involved in actually going poo for someone with an SCI and how you have to arrange your entire life around this. Literally, this is the thing, right? And so many people in our community. Well, that's why they call it a program, right? It's a legitimate program that you have to stick to. It's like a job. It's literally (laughs) like a job. It is. It's like a part-time job. You have to base your entire existence around bowels, um, which is people do not know that. So I'm glad that she brought that up because uh, these are the types of things that you have to think about when you're going away or when you're um, making your schedule for the month or schedule for the week. Or, you know, if one of you wants to go away, this is what you have to base it around going poo and pee and shower so yeah i mean it's true because i I think like when our partners are first injured they're lying there and you're seeing people because they can't move right and i think you're seeing the nurses running in running out grabbing them water grabbing them food grabbing them this that utensils to make life easier for movement for there's the bed remote to move their torso up and down you see the water bottle or whatever the the camel pack beside the bed so you know that they're getting fluids you see that they're getting medication administered their food trays are coming in coming out the bedding is getting changed so it's like you're looking at like the basic like the basic level of like survival needs are being taken care of and then and then they discuss bowel programming it's like excuse me I didn't even really think about that. But then you think, oh my God, of course it has to happen. They're they're gonna get backed up and it like explode. Like they're gonna be so uncomfortable. People are gonna be so uncomfortable if they're unable to move, if if that part of their body is unable to do what it needs to do. So it is a big, it's a big thing. And I think that we all take able-bodiedness for granted. Being somebody who's able-bodied, I can say that without a doubt that. You know, sometimes you catch yourself complaining about discomfort or this or that. And then and then it's like I see my partner having to take on, you know, daily nursing, daily showers, having somebody come in and help him shower, getting dressed, getting him all his knees. And it's like, whoa, just it can just life just really changed in the blink of an eye for everybody who's had a spinal cord injury and from that moment on, you're basically rebuilding. And that takes years. It can take a lot. You know, sometimes when I think back, I don't know about you, I'm sure you too. Sometimes you look back to like, how long ago was it that my partner had his injury? And you think, oh my God, it's been that long. It does not feel that long. It feels like it just happened like maybe a couple years ago, but not seven or eight years ago. Whoa. What happened to all that time? Yeah, it's crazy. And next year will be Evan's 10 year right anniversary you're like what happened the past 10 years holy crap and then you think about it and i don't know about you but like you think about it of all the stuff that's happened and when you think about it you're like oh yeah there has been a lot that happened but it still seems like it just went by in the blink of an eye it's crazy 
how much you yeah. learn and how much you go through. Um, so the next comment, this is a big one. And mm-hmm. I know it's affected both of us in different ways. But this comment was about making an assumption that he can't do something when he can or when he wants to do it himself. So <laughs> this is interesting because you really, really notice it here in Vancouver and here in Canada in general, where people want to help and people are very friendly and they want to talk to you and interfere in your life or assist you whenever they can. And sometimes, like, for example, when someone is alone and falls out of their chair, it's definitely needed. But there's other times that this happens when the person just wants to do something themselves and the person watching or the person around them is very uncomfortable with watching them kind of struggle to do it themselves. And so they'll interfere and try and help without asking. Um, It's a huge thing in the disability community here in Canada, where it's just like, please ask first before you try and assist. Um, we had a little incident happen where my aunt was visiting from Montreal a few weeks ago and we went out for dinner and my husband was trying to put his glasses, his sunglasses on from his shirt onto his face. And he does this all the time, but it takes him, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds to do it himself. And it kind of looks like he's struggling, but it's just because he can't move his hands and it's interesting, like his process for doing it. But I will, I'll never forget this. She was standing over him and she was watching him do this. And you could feel the level of discomfort she was experiencing by watching him do this. And she kept glaring at me being like, are you going to help? Like, what, why aren't you helping? Should I help? Like, it was very awkward. And so uh, when that happened, I kind of laughed because I thought it was really interesting just how it's not necessarily even about the disabled person. It's more about that person wanting to relieve their own discomfort watching someone struggle to do something that they can do very easily. Um, so I think that is uh, is a really, really um, important, important thing um, that was brought up by a member of our private group. Um, and I think that that is something that, you know, I know for you, Elena, Dan has experienced that many times. But there's also times when you really appreciate a stranger's help. This has happened to both of our partners where they've fallen out of their chair and all of a sudden there's 10 people around that want to help, which is amazing, right? These are the times that you really do need help. But if you're a friend or a family member or you're just some someone out and about and you see someone that has a disability trying to do something, don't assume they need help. Go up and just ask if they need assistance and they'll tell you, right? Just ask them if they need help. So I think that's a really good comment. Well, and I think that we do that or, I mean, I do that sometimes to Dan too, where I'll get impatient. You'll be trying to do something and I'll just say, oh, I'll just do it. I'll just do it. It's faster. I'll just do it. And it's something that can be tricky to navigate to even between partners when it comes to like, especially when we're like cooking together, if we're making dinner or if he's trying to help me with the dishes and it's like, I can see his lap is soaked, water's everywhere. It's taking him forever to like wash a couple dishes or they're so soapy or whatever because he doesn't have the right grip. This is a conversation we have in our house all the time. And I have to continuously be like, okay, it's not about how long it's taking him to do something. Maybe get better quality soap so things are not so greasy or, you know, put put an apron on or like, I don't know, have to find other ways around it that I can manage my frustration because it's a real thing. It's in our household. We talk about it openly about managing frustration. I can get frustrated and then our frustration can bounce off each other. And it's just not fair to 
well, it's not fair to either person, right? But I remember this. Oh my God. I remember when Dan first had his injury and a friend of mine came out to visit us and we had some drinks and we're kind of like, I think we're leaving like one restaurant to go home or from home to go, I don't know, to a restaurant or something. But he, she thought that he needed help pushing his chair. So she grabbed him and she started kind of like running up the street with his chair. And he was like, let go. He was in his manual chair. He's like, let go, let go. And she just wasn't getting it. And so and so finally he like he was like you need to let go of my chair i need to explain to you that this is my body this is my this is like me grabbing your body and moving you place to place to place to place you can't do that when you're not being asked again it's these are all very new you know new situations that we're being put in so everybody is learning really Everybody has the opportunity to grow and learn. And then you don't do it the second time. And maybe you'll meet somebody else in the chair or somebody else with a disability and you'll have better, more proper, more adequate etiquette around how to assist an individual with a disability. For sure. Really, really good points. And it's always about, it always goes back to treat another person with a disability as you would treat yourself. You know, it's, you don't need to have special treatment unless, and use your discernment. Like that's one of my biggest issues with people lately is people have lost their ability to discern, to like actually reflect on, okay, what is the best course scenario here? What what should I be doing right now? Can I use my judgment? You know, people have trouble with that because they're either in their phones or they're not paying attention or they're not present. I mean, that's a whole other podcast, but that's like, that has a lot to do with it. It's like use discernment. Yep. People, um, people on their phones looking down at their feet instead of looking straight ahead and then they get bumped by a wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah. Various reasons like that. Just pay attention. Be a be a normal person. <laughs> um, so another comment that we had here um, was airplanes. <laughs> and I know that this is a huge, you know, this could be a podcast on its own. We've talked about airplane and airline travel a lot in this podcast. But one of the frustrations that this person wants other people to know is that airplanes are not accessible. And just the straight up fact that you have to do a bunch of transfers, you are not allowed to stay in your chair in an airplane, and they don't have accessible seats. As of yet, there are no airports, um, there are no um, airlines that have the ability to remove the seat and put a wheelchair in there. There are no airlines that have proper seats to transfer into. It's always a huge hassle. You always have to have two or three people there to help support the transfer. Um, It is a huge issue. And people are still shocked that they don't have the ability to stay in their chairs when they're on the airplane, right? So this is a big issue for, for disabled people because they have to go to the bathroom. And when you can't leave your chair, you have to figure it out in your chair, or you have to plan your routine around that traveling experience. So that in itself is a huge, huge um, thing that people are just not educated on. Yeah, right? that that and whale watching tours. <laughs> How annoying. I'm serious. Yeah. And boats in-, in general, right? Boats yeah. are not accessible. Um, boats in general. Yeah, we live in Vancouver. We live on the coast, West Coast living. And um, we want to go out whale watching with our partners, even like... I go out kayaking sometimes and Dan wants to come and I don't know why we don't have any adapted kayaks for the individual to go by themselves. Um, I know that we did an event with spinal cord injury BC a few years ago up in Whistler 
was like adaptive event. It was amazing. And they had accessible kayaks with little pontoons on the side. So it was impossible to tip and uh, paddle boards that also had them. It was impossible to tip and it was amazing. But the whale watching, I mean, that's something that I've wanted to surprise Dan with multiple times and just, there is no such thing because you have to, I think you have to transfer out of your chair and into the seat, but some of them are exposed decks. So then you're getting splish splashed and the whole bit. So that's very disappointing, but, um, even accessible taxis, that's a thing. There's a, there's a huge lack of transportation in general when you're wanting to go out with your partner, but, um, for taxis in general with able-bodied people, it's, it's a big deal, but somebody who needs a wheelchair accessible van to come pick them up. It takes, Oh my God, it takes, it has taken us between one to two hours to line up a wheelchair accessible van, a wheelchair accessible taxi to come and pick us up on like a Friday, Saturday night. It's like, don't even think about it. You're not going to get it. So a lot of the time, one of one one of the terms that was coined by Brooke was lap riding. And one of the perks of being a wag of SEI was hopping on your partner's lap if he is a power chair user and getting a lap ride all the way home because you're not gonna get a taxi. And by the time you check out of your restaurant, out of the restaurant, let's say your reservation is over, you're you're basically standing on the curb waiting. For a bus or waiting for a cab that is never going to come so what do you do i guess you get doordash or you pick a place close by that you can walk home to but that's a real thing it's a thing yeah for sure for sure transportation um, is not is not her friend is it no and we have some people in the group that live in more remote areas that have no accessible transportation at all Right. And so like this one was saying, when she has to get her van fixed, she has an accessible van. She uh, can't do anything about it because there are no accessible taxis and there are no accessible buses in her area. So, yeah, people don't understand that even the freedom to travel, um, that is something that's not a given in North America and especially Europe. Yeah. Which kind of ties into the next comment uh, about the reality of how much time and energy it takes to go anywhere. People often assume it's not a big deal. Um, you know, just to quickly show up, it's like, Hey, we're having a impromptu happy hour. Why don't you just come join us? It's like, you can't, that's, it's near to impossible. You have to prepare to go out to a restaurant, not to mention it's like, is the happy hour that you just picked? Is it accessible? Are there bathrooms that are accessible? Are there stairs? Can we fit through the door? Is it one floor? Is it an even floor? (laughs) Can you fit, can you fit under the table? Can the foot plate fit under the table? Can we get there easily? Do we need to take a taxi to get there? It's, oh my God, it's so, so, so frustrating. But, and then on a second note, it's the role reversal or restructuring roles and expectations following SCI and having to relearn how to be a couple, how to be a partner, what about how to be the handyman? Right? What about yeah, or being the one who, you know, the one who fixes things, the one who picks things up, carries things, especially for a lot of wags who are doing sliding board transfers in and out of a vehicle, 
who are taking their partner's chairs apart and putting them into their trunks, who are basically lifting, sliding, transferring their partners, who are packing the vehicles for any trip, who are doing all of the heavy lifting, who are the backbones of their partner and their injury. So. Yeah. And there's, you know, we have so many stories about that, about like fixing chairs and having to kind of be a mechanic minded when you're really artistic minded. Right. I mean, both of us are very, we're creative types. We're artsy types. We're not necessarily, you know, thinking in an engineering way. Um, and we have to kind of switch into that mode when there thing things come off or things need to be tightened or things need to be repaired and we don't have time or $200 to spend on a tech coming to do it for us. Oh my right? God. That's, that's a big one in itself. Yes. Being the person who takes apart the casters, replaces the bearings, cleans out the hair out of the casters, (laughs) right? Who's, you know, you, my biggest piece of advice and my biggest tip is never leave home without an Allen key set. Yeah. Because things will happen and always, always, always when you find the proper vendor who has the tubes for your partner's tires have some on hand and i know you can order them from the bike shop you don't need to go through a medical vendor necessarily the bike shop has saved us i cannot tell you how many times countless times the trusty bike shop around down the street and around the corner it's it's always full of really really knowledgeable great guys and gals who that's their passion to be on wheels to go exploring to spend all of their free time biking around doing great activities and adventures those are the people you want to talk to because not necessarily any everybody who works at a medical supply company who's doing the repairs knows what it's like to be on tires and knows what it's like to be a wheelchair user. So that's something to keep in mind when you are in a bind. For sure. And especially when you're traveling, if you don't have access to a medical supply vendor um, or you don't want to pay as much, especially in Europe, um, bike shops will be able to replace, literally be able to replace the tubes in your tires. They'll be able to um, help your partner with random adjustments. Uh, it's a huge, it's, they're very similar to bikes. So I'm just glad that there's that resource for people that can't wait, right? It's like with these companies, you always have to wait. You always have to wait a week to get an appointment and then what they're stranded, right? So that's one of the biggest pet peeves that, that, uh, People just don't understand unless you're living this life. But bike shops definitely do understand more. And I've we've had some of the best repairs through bike shops. So um, and they're everywhere, right? Especially during this day and age, there there's more and more available. So to wrap up this podcast, I think the trend that we're seeing in the first half of these comments are that people just don't understand that being in a wheelchair, being paralyzed, doesn't mean that you just get dressed, get out of bed and put into your wheelchair. Um, I know that this is one of my top things that people don't understand. Even friends to this day, family to this day, they don't understand that there's a lot more to it than just getting your partner dressed and putting him in his chair. There's things that people just don't think about. And it's all of the ins and outs that create how much, how much stress, right? How much stuff to think about when you're just living your life day to day and how groups like us try and help people to understand that in months like this, where it's like, we're given the opportunity to highlight these things. It is so, so, so important to understand that this life is not just 
putting your partner in a wheelchair. It is so much more than that. And all of these, there were so many comments that were like, people just don't understand. They don't understand what this life entails. Um, and so that is why we're doing this series. So in next week's part two, we will be reading some more comments from more of our followers. Cause we, again, we had so many comments and very specific comments and specific situations that some of our followers have been in that they want people to know and understand so that in the future you can, if you can help at least one person who is listening, understand or deal with the situation differently, that's a huge, you know, domino effect of change. And so we will continue talking about this next week. So please feel free to tune in and feel free to send this episode to a friend or a family member or a colleague or a boss um, that needs to understand the reality of what our partners are going through and what we're going through on a daily basis, because awareness equals change. And that's what we're all about here at WAGS at SCI. So um, until next week, please have a great one. Have a, have a, have a week that is full of spreading awareness and not spreading stress <laughs> because there's a lot going on in the world right now. Everyone's going through a lot right now and we just need to be advocates and we need to continue on talking about these things. And, you know, there's only a couple weeks left of July. So we want to make sure that you guys are doing your part to spread awareness not only in this group but what our partners are going through and what you're going through and speaking the truth and not filtering your thoughts 100 percent. so until next time please take care of yourselves have a hot quad summer and <laughs> and love each other cheers <laughs> <laughs>